Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Romans chapter 12 tonight, as we continue our look through the Bible, you should have read the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians yesterday and up to chapter 6 today, I believe it was. Chapter 7. Chapter 7 today. But I, I didn't want to. I was going to. I was going to go into First Corinthians one, but I didn't want to let our time in Romans get past me because there's just too much in here. When I first came here three years ago, Romans was the first Bible study I started. It took me over a year to get through all 16 chapters of Romans, uh, doing uh, every Friday night. Uh, but so, and none of you were here from back then, so <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to touch on something, and so I wanted to really, you know. Last week we went through the Romans road, looked at Romans chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 9. Tonight I just want to look at all of chapter 12 and, and just preface it by telling you a few things. In the book of Romans, you know, Paul starts off with the defense of the gospel. And then he moves into doctrine and tells us, you know, what the doctrines of the faith are. When you get to chapter 12, Paul turns a corner and he moves from, from doctrine to duty. He moves from belief to to behavior. He's, he moves from what we should know to how we should act knowing what we know. See, one of the big problems with the modern era, and it's not just you guys, this started back in the 18, at the end of the 1800s, at the end of the 19th century. One of the problems with the modern era is that mankind has uh, suddenly, it, 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 we've always done this, but it's become a popular thing, a widespread thing, that men and women don't behave according to their professed creed. We say we believe these things to be true, but we don't act like those things are true. We call ourselves Christians. We say we believe the Bible, the whole of it, from the beginning to the end, but we don't act as if we believe the Bible. Because let me tell you something, we act the way as if we believe the Bible. You're going to read this tonight. We would act completely different. We would not act the way we're ta- we're doing right now. Um, we we would we would be honestly if we actually believe the Bible and let it inform our behavior. Most of us would just throw our phones in the trash tonight. We would we would we would go home and put a sledgehammer through our TV. We would we would just we'd probably throw out half our wardrobe. You know we would actually start living the gospel, and we would eschew this world and its systems, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and, and start living a Christ-like existence. Um, and it would look completely different from what you think it's supposed to look like. So uh, it, you know, we started the modern era back you know, 100 years ago, and now we're really in the postmodern era. And what we have today is how much can I look like the world and still call myself a Christian. It's really where we're at. How much can I get away with without God being mad at me? 
correct? That's really where we're at. And Paul in chapter 12, this this isn't something new. I'm just saying that it's become a much more widespread thing in the last hundred years than it is than it has been before. But this is all the way back to Paul's time. So Paul spends, you know, 11 chapters of his, of his letter to the Romans explaining the doctrines of the faith. Then we get into verse 1 of chapter 12, and he says, I beseech you therefore. And whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to ask yourself what it's there for. And what it always means is what's come before it is informing what's going to come after so he's been telling us all these things, you know, all these things about who, who we are, that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. God commends his love towards us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. As by one man a sinner in the world and death by sin, therefore sin passed upon, death passed upon all men for all of sin, right? Um, but if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised the dead, you'll be saved. And then he says, therefore, I beg you, because these things are true, Because these are the doctrines of God. I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the night and thank you for everybody here. Help us to understand your word now in Jesus' name. So I'm begging you by the mercy of God, present your very body a living sacrifice. You know, you guys signed up for this organization. You signed up for service to your country. And one of the things you, you understood when you signed up is that there may come a day when you're going to have to put yourself in harm's way and you may not go home. And you have to willingly be willing to let your body be sacrificed for the freedom of this country, correct? That's just something you signed up for, and you know that's a possibility. Even if you're in ground supply, it could still happen, right? (laughs) It's still a possibility, and you signed up for it. Now, when you became a Christian, you signed up for some things. And one of the things you were supposed to sign up for was that you present your body a living sacrifice, which means you don't let your body run you. Okay? You don't let your body destroy you. You don't let yourself run and do things according to your lusts and your desires and your greed and your passion, but rather you let God's desires for you and God's passion for you rule and lead your life. Paul says, make yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and I love this part, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable at all. When Joshua was giving his final speech to the children of Israel as the lands were being divided up and the tribes were taking their parts of the the promised land, Joshua's an old man by now. And he, he he says that famous phrase that we have on door knockers and we have it on placards and we have it in greeting cards, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? But the verses before that, He says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. (laughs) If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. I remember old Dr. Seitler over in Greenville, South Carolina, preached a sermon years ago. I'd love to find that thing again. He's preached for 
45 minutes on if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord. And you listed all the things that people think is evil about serving God. Giving your money. Giving your time. Giving up your right to be with anybody you want. Do anything you want. Spend your time the way you want to live it. And you say, how can that seem evil to, 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 to serve the Lord? Well, the way we live our lives makes it look like we think it's evil to serve the Lord. Because we don't do those things, do we? Y'all read Romans this past week. Romans chapter 7, Paul says, The things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. The things I know I should do, I can't find a way to do them. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I always find a way to do those. <laughs> right? Wretched man that I am, he said. Oh, because sometimes it seems evil to serve the Lord. Paul says, it's just reasonable. Considering what Christ did for us, considering what God's offered us, considering what our reward is after this short 70 years on earth is over, because that's all your promise, anything past that's the grace of God. It's reasonable. It's reasonable to spend these 70, 75 years that we get on this earth to do doing what God called us to do because we're going to spend eternity in heaven living the perfect life, right? It's your reasonable service. So verse 1, we, we, we're moving from, from doctrinal and, and, and almost a systematic type theology to a relational theology. What Paul's going to describe in these next 20 verses is a relational theology. How we relate to God how we relate to others, because it matters. He says, so, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does that mean? Well, it means give, not only give, your, give God your body, give God your mind. Give God your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't spend more time thinking about politics and entertainment and the Kardashians and whatever else is out there that's keeping us occupied that makes us want to see. You know, there is a multi-billion dollar uh, industry in this country about reporting on the entertainment industry. We spend all kinds of time on TMZ and watching, all, well, nobody watches entertainment tonight anymore except for old people, right? And, 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 but we, we, we spend all this time searching social media and finding out what Kanye's doing and what this guy's doing and what that guy's doing. Either infuriated by Nancy Pelosi or infuriated by Donald Trump. We spend all our time searching these things instead of spending our time letting our mind be transformed. We're letting our minds be transformed by the media. We're letting our minds be transformed by Hollywood. I don't know about you, but I put a whole lot more faith in what a man who, who studies the Word of God, a man who studies science, or a man who studies sociology, I put a little more faith in what those guys say than in, than in the, the, the social thought of somebody who's paid to pretend for a living. Why when the Academy Awards come around, I just, I just cringe. I just cringe. Back in 2000, 2001, Thomas Wolfe wrote an essay, and he said, Beware of false intellectualism. And he was talking about celebrities that get up, get their Academy Award, and then they say something about the environment, about animals, 
about politics, about you know, social justice, something, and they have no idea what they're talking about, but they say it because it makes them look smart. <laughs> they have absolutely no idea what, they're, what issue they're talking about, but they say that because it makes them look smart in front of everybody. False intellectualism. You know, let's not get our, our ideas about life from these folks. Let's get our ideas about life from God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, a couple things. One, you have to train your mind. You know, in the early days of computers, there was an old adage, junk in, junk out. You had to make sure that the programming was good or you weren't going to have a good program. That's why Apple came along and wiped the floor with Windows because they wrote streamlined programs that were perfect and everything worked. Whereas the Windows programmers, for the most part in the 90s, were pretty lazy and wrote enormous programs that were full of junk and you had to update it every three days. <laughs> and, and your computer crashed all the time. You know? And the thing is, is what you put in is what you get out. So if you spend, if you, you know, some people are falling behind on their reading because they just can't imagine devoting a half hour a day to reading the Bible. But I guarantee you if you swipe across before the first page on your iPhone and you swipe up and you look down at the bottom and you see your screen time, you'll realize that you spend a whole lot more time on that phone than you think. And if you look at the apps... That Bible app might not have as much time on it than you think it does. And you're spending a whole lot of time doing things that aren't doing anything for you, that aren't producing anything in your life. What are you putting into your mind? First step in renewing your mind is start putting the good stuff in your mind. You know, read your Bible. Read great things, you know. Wesley was asking me a question a couple weeks ago about some things in his life. He wanted to know how to, how to find out certain things. And I, I said, you, you need, I just felt the Lord tell me, Tell, he, you need to read biographies. So I gave him a biography, right? And when he finishes that one, I'm going to give him another one. And you've got to read the lives of the great people that went before you. And it doesn't even have to be just preachers. You know, I love reading the autobiographies of Louis L'Amour, you know, and the autobiography of Ben Franklin. If you've never read that, you need to read it. You know, when you read the lives of great people, it makes you a better person. It creates in you thoughts. You know, I've said this before, but when I get into a Hemingway thing and I start reading Ernest Hemingway all the time, and I do that every few months, my language changes. I start talking in a much higher way. It just changes who I am. What you put in is what you get out. So first thing to do to renew your mind is start putting the right stuff in your mind. Second thing is, is to be submissive. Let the Holy Spirit of God guide you. When you feel that urge to go talk to that person, go talk to that person. When you feel that nudge that you need to pray, start praying. Be submissive. And by doing that, you will prove that good, acceptable, perfect, which means mature, will of God. See, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you to grow up. And that might sound insulting, but I'm 52 years old. And I have met very few grown-ups in my life. I'm being honest. I've met very few grown-ups. I know people in their 60s who are just kids in their minds. They, they just, they've never grown up. You know? You guys heard me rant and rave about guys my age dressing like they're 12 years old. You've heard that before, right? 
sorry. When I, when I was a kid, I dressed like a kid. When I grew up, I started tucking my shirt in. You know, I started wearing, I started wearing men's clothes. I started acting like a guy, you know. I saw a Marine today at Target. I know he was a Marine. And there was about four inches of his green underwear showing above his pants because the dude wasn't wearing a belt. And if I had ever been in the Marine Corps, I would have dressed him down. I was about to shout, hey, Marine, where's your belt? Because I know you all are supposed to be wearing a belt, aren't you? Yeah. You've got to grow up at some point. But not just in those kind of things. In the Bible, in the Word of God, you've got to mature. That's the only way to prove the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. is to make a, make a concerted effort to be mature in the faith. And that doesn't come naturally. That, that comes through struggle. That comes through transforming yourself by not being conformed to the world, by renewing your mind. So give God your body. Give God your mind. Verse 3, For this I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Third thing, be honest with yourself. You're not that good. You're not that great. None of us are. You know, we're preaching tomorrow in, in New Jersey, or Sunday, we're preaching in New Jersey. We're leaving tomorrow morning. And one of the deacons from the church emailed me this week and said, okay, um, I have to introduce you to the congregation. I saw your biography online. He goes, should I just use that? I said, I emailed him back. I said, the less you say, the better. <laughs> just say, this is Dave Mason. He's the director of military evangelism. That's enough. Don't talk about me, you know, because I talk about me too much. And I don't need somebody else talking about me, all right? <laughs> and I, I remember an old preacher who used to say, when a really good speaker gets up, he, hits, he gets a really short introduction because the man's lived his life and people know him. When a guy gets up who hasn't done anything, it takes a long introduction because you've got to convince everybody that the guy's worth getting up there to speak, <laughs> you know? And what's Paul saying here? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly. Soberly. Don't think of yourself in a drunken manner, because drunks think everything's great, right? <laughs> That's the most wonderful thing. What was that old country song years ago? All the girls get prettier at closing time, right? Drunks think everything's great. God says, think soberly about yourself. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God's given you just as much faith as anybody else. And no more than anybody else. So think of yourself accordingly. Verse 4. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every member one of another. Having then different gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, According to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Somebody asked about this Tuesday night, wasn't it? It was you, Nick. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was like, ah, he's stepping on my Friday night. So. But you know what all that means, really, honestly, in the context of this? Play nice with others. Know your position, know your job, do it well. And don't step on any of others' toes. Just be nice. Be kind to other, other people. Be, be kind. And then verse 9, 
Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one over another. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's that mean? It just means grow up. That's all it means. Grow up. Just, you know, don't... If you say... If I say I love you, if I say I love Alex because he's my brother in Christ, okay? But then, when he's not around, I'm talking about how I can't stand him riding around that bicycle all the time, <laughs> and it bothers me, and I wish he wouldn't do it, and am I showing love? If I'm complaining behind my brother's back, am I showing love? No. Abhor that which is evil. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, let no word pass from your lips except that which is good to the edification of the saints, building up one another in the most holy faith. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Just like people. I know that's hard. Trust me, because I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time liking people. I, I you know, I, 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 could, I could be on a desert island for like 60 days before I realized I was by myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I'm just like, I, I, can, I, can, I can go into my little studio in my garage, I can close the, the drapes that act as my door, and put on my stereo and start drawing, and mm -hmm. 10 hours later, I didn't even know I was there for five minutes. It just doesn't matter. I, I, can, I can do that, you know? Um, I go sit on my deck and just sit there and just, you know, read my books, and I don't need to be around people. I have to force myself to be around people. Do you? Sometimes you do. And here's what Paul's saying. Get out in front of people. Be nice to them. Be kind to them. Prefer them over yourself. Show them how much you love them. Play nice with others. Grow up. Then, here we go. This is doctrine becoming duty. This is belief becoming behavior. Verse 11. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. When I was on midnight shift at the jail, there were 12 officers on that shift. Six were born-again Christians and six were not. We were split right down the middle. And we were always at each other's throats because they were always making fun of us and we were always defending the faith. You know, I had walked in one night into the booking room with my Bible and sat down on the, on the counter in the booking room and was getting ready to grab some stuff and I think it was Jason. He goes, Mason, haven't you finished that book yet? I said, yeah, a few times. I keep reading it, though. He goes, why? I said, because it's new every time I read it, man. You know? And, and, and we, we had this group, okay? But within our group, there was this one guy. He was the biggest coward in the jail. And he was lazy. Couldn't get him to work to save our lives. And I was always... And the problem was, he, was, he outranked me. So I really couldn't jump his case but he, I, in, as a brother in Christ I did finally jump his case I was like you know what you're just an offense to God because you're lazy and you're a coward every time we have an all officers call you suddenly find yourself locked into the uh, control room and you can't get out every time and you lift weights and look like a bodybuilder and you're, you're just you're a coward I said you're lazy man 
You never help out with breakfast. You never help out on a on a tour. You never you never walk. You never come over and take the keys from an officer and just say, "Hey, let me take it for take a, take a 15 minute break." You never do that. You're lazy. Let me tell you something. Christians should never be lazy. We should be the hardest working person in our shop. Plain and simple. And not because that's good character, but because we represent Jesus Christ. And if we're lazy, people think, why would I follow Jesus Christ? His followers are lazy. Don't be slothful in your business. Be fervent in your spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. What does that mean? Well, when there's good things happening, be happy. Smile. Right? Rejoice. Be patient when things are bad. Because things are, a lot, are bad a lot, right? Don't be a jerk when it's bad. And how do, you, how do you get through that? Continue on instantly, constantly, be in prayer. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving the hospitality. Just helping people, being there for folks. Ah, here we go. Here's a hard one. Verse 14, bless them that persecute you and curse not. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. What does that mean? Help people, even your enemies. This is doctrine becoming duty. This is belief becoming behavior. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Right? Bless those that persecute you. Turn the other cheek. If a man tells you you got if he man grabs you by the by the nape of the neck and says you're gonna walk a mile with me, go with him too. Man comes up to you and puts a gun in your face and says, I want your coat. Give him your shirt, too. Be kind. Because when you do that, God pays you back. He pays you back. Verse 16. Rejoice. I'm sorry. Be of same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be uppity. Jesus said this about the Pharisees. They love the uppermost seats in the feasts. You sit down at the end of the table. Sit down at the foot of the table. Don't, don't desire a, a big spot. Don't desire the spotlight. Be the servant. If you want to be a leader, be a servant. Serve. You know? Um, you know, you guys come here and you see me. I sit at the head of the table. You know, um, I demonstrate my servant uh, attitude in one very particular way when you're here, which is I eat last. Always wait till everybody else goes through, then I get something to eat. Because I think leaders eat last. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, but y'all don't see what we do through the week. You know? And there's a lot that goes into my wife. She works harder than me most times. Trust me. The stuff that she does voluntarily just to make this thing work. You know? That's what, that's what leadership is. It's service. It's serving people. It's being, it's being there, helping people. Help. Help as best as you can. And don't be wise in your own conceit. Don't think, well, I'm better than them. You're no better than anybody else. Okay? That guy is too lazy to work. You're no better than him. Because you've got lust in your heart. You're lazy when nobody's looking. All of us. You know, you want to steal something. You, you, you want to drink something. You want to do something you shouldn't do. You want to be with someone you shouldn't be with. We all have sin, so don't think you're any better than anybody else. Verse 17, 
Recompense no, no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I know that's almost impossible sometimes. There are some people you just cannot live peaceably with, correct? You've met them, right? They're out there. There are some people you just can't live peaceably with. No matter what you do, you're not going to have peace with them. But if it's possible, live peaceably with them. Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, which means put it where it's supposed to be, in the hands of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Practical theology. Belief becoming behavior. Doctrine becoming duty. It's living out what Jesus lived out. Did people treat Jesus well? No. They spit on him. They pulled his beard. They tried to stone him. They tried to destroy him. They said evil things about him. They said he had a demon. There's people like that everywhere, right? There's people like that in your life trying to hurt you. What does Paul say? Love them. Pray for them. Feed them. Give them something to drink. For in being kind to your enemy, you heap coals of fire on their head. I'm telling you what, it's actually, it actually feels really good. Because when, you, when you're really nice to somebody who really hates you, you can see how much that really hurts them. It just destroys them. And sometimes you've got to hurt people to help them. You know? You've got to break somebody down. You know, sometimes you guys might think I'm a little harsh, but you've got to remember the gospel ministry, according to Timothy, according to Paul's letter to Timothy, is, three, is two-thirds negative. Reprove. Tell me I'm wrong. Rebuke. Tell me to quit doing wrong. And then exhort. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. We're supposed to be, you know, we, that's how we help people. That's how they helped you in basic, right? They made you run when you didn't want to run. They woke you up when you didn't want to wake up. They made you stand in the rain when you didn't want to stand in the rain. They, they made you tougher than you were when you went in, right? And it was mean, it was cruel, and it was heartless. But it made you a better man and made you a better woman. Sometimes we've got to do that for other people. So let your doctrine become your duty. Let what you believe actually inform how you act. Because I see in this culture now a real disconnect between what we say we believe and how we actually behave. Make sure that's not who we are. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.